Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome, everybody, back to another Basement Binge episode. The upload schedule has been not even close to consistent lately as I adjust to no longer having Isaac. Again, Isaac, I appreciate you. No hard feelings. Don't want you to think anything beyond that. I hope that your baby is doing very well. So is your wife and that you are with school and all those good things. Anyway, for those of you who aren't Isaac, uh, thanks for your patience in in me as I adjust to uh, the new schedule of editing myself. Uh, a little of the delay was just being a bit overwhelmed and uh, that overwhelming feeling losing a bit of the umph to sit down and record. But the other night I sat down to record chaos walking and had a lot of fun with it and then uploaded it. And it was just exciting to release something again. So it motivated me to sit down and finally record missing link. So this is actually a film that I watched way back at the beginning of February, like a month ago. I have the exact date written down here. Let's see. I actually watched it on February 15th. Okay, so almost an entire month ago, I watched it. And it, I wrote a bunch of notes down about it. It's been sitting here just stewing for me to record. But I'm actually really glad that I waited to record this episode because as I was reading through these notes um, to prepare a recording, a lot has changed, and uh, my thoughts about the film have adapted with time as I've thought about the film more, had more time to appreciate it. It's become a lot more positive. So I'm very excited to talk about Missing Link. It was a film that I immediately watched after falling immediately head over heels in love with Kubo and the Two Strings. If you haven't listened to that, to that episode, please do, and leave a review on Podchaser, wink, wink. Anyway, I was really excited to discover more Laika, and I'm... Saving their more famous works, you know, like Coraline and the Box Trolls and Paranorman for this fall. Uh, but Missing Link was on Hulu, and I had kind of heard that it was notorious for losing tons of money and being like a total bomb. Uh, so I was really curious. So I got into Missing Link and watched it, and uh, here are my thoughts. Let's get started with the two cents. And a lot of these things, it's going to feel like I'm jumping on two sides of the fence here and not taking a side. Well, it's because I was so firmly on both sides at one point in time. And immediately after watching the film, not that I was disappointed, not that I didn't like it. Well, I was disappointed, yeah. And it, but it's not because I didn't like it, it's just because I was let down. Like Leica puts their standards really high. And the idea as a business move about Missing Link makes no sense to me. So maybe it's because Travis Knight was focused on Bumblebee, but for whatever reason, Leica decided to bank their largest budget on Missing Link. I've got nothing wrong with going big and trying to do new things and pushing the boundaries, especially with the animation like Leica's doing. 
And they do that a lot in Missing Link, especially in the ways that Missing Link is an adventure film. But I don't understand why they chose to do it with Missing Link. And I'm going to get into that in a minute. Even as my opinions have changed about it and I like it a lot more than I did initially, I still feel this way. Because just two years previously, Kubo and the Two Strings was released. And it was the first like a film to not make over $100 million at the box office. I already talked extensively about that. It's really a sad thing. Kubo and the Two Strings is one of my all-time favorite films now. It's an amazing film. I definitely recommend you watch Kubo and the Two Strings. Either way, Laika as a business, as an independent animation studio, that's the important thing to keep in mind here. This isn't Disney. This isn't Pixar or some other big studio that has a big budget and is a part of a larger company They can subsidize losses. This is an independent animation studio based out of Washington that's released six films total, including Missing Link. Missing Link being the sixth. So losing money is a bigger deal for them. Either way, after having their fifth film be the first to not gross over $100 million, they decided to make a movie with a budget of $100 million. So their box office return is going down. In fact, their last film doesn't even make over $100 million and then they're like, okay, our next project, budget, $100 million. I, from a financial business standpoint, I don't understand that. But that's what they did. $100 million is an extremely small budget. But again, this is an independent animation studio. And their budgets are very relative to their return. So the next time the Like a Film comes out, everybody go see it in theaters. I'll be there. Either way, I think the Kubo maybe didn't do as well because it was a breakaway from their typical Halloween-type feel, like Coraline and Paranorman and Box Trolls, and leaving that genre, so to speak. And Missing Link is a further step away from that, like entirely. It was the most expensive film they made. It was the most ambitious on an animation effort and creation, and also with a more experienced and more expensive cast. I'm all for all those things. I think that's awesome. I just don't know why you would trust that and put that much weight on Missing Link as a film and as a story. They've lost, supposedly, according to reports, about $75 million, okay? Comparatively to other film losses, that's not the biggest, right? Laika has small budgets and they have small returns, but $75 million is still a ton of money. Like, the things that I could do with $75 million... Uh, I could do a lot more podcast episodes because I probably would not have a job. Like, I wouldn't need a job. Anyway, $75 million is a ton of money, especially for an independent studio that relies on their box office return for things. Of course, if the risk had paid off and Missing Link had made back his money, this would be a totally different story. History's weird like that. But we're going to talk about what actually happened, and that's that they lost $75 million. So historically and logistically, Missing Link really perplexes me. It's hard to say. So let me just say what I think about the film. Animation, absolutely incredible. Visually, this film is amazing. And of course, you're going to get that with Laika. And it's an even step up further. There were some times where I had to remind myself, this is stop motion. And I mentioned that I had to do the same thing with Kubo. It's just amazing to see how fluid, especially the puppets and the character movement they get. And I'll talk about this more in the behind the scenes in bench points, but there was just a ton of work that went into making this animation as beautiful as it is. And it's an adventure type film. There's tons of locations. There's tons of very, very simple moments like fur blowing in the wind that would take hours just to have like two seconds. It's incredible. Composition and lighting, also incredible. Movement and scale, it's all amazing. It's just absolutely 
beautiful to look at. And I really appreciate stop motion. So I appreciate the work that it takes to get that, which makes me appreciate what I'm viewing even more. There are even times it's so smooth, it doesn't even feel like stop motion. I already said that, but it, I, ha- I got to say it again, that it doesn't even feel like stop motion because of the smoothness of everything. Visually, this film knocks it out of the park, which I've just come to expect with Leica. Sadly, that's kind of where the impression in a positive way ends. The story is typical and forgettable, which I'm okay with, but there's not great chemistry to the characters. I I don't, well, actually, I didn't care for them or about them at all. The voices were nice. The voice actors are very talented, but that was it. It was just nice voices. The second time around, because I'm going to get to that, I watched this film a second time, totally different. Hugh Jackman and Zach Galifianakis specifically totally pulled me in and they did a great job. But the first time, it's just not, nothing was meshing, uh, especially in contrast to the just top level stop motion and to have a strong juxtaposition between the two made it even more jarring. There's just a lot of ways that Missing Link has areas to be weak. Specifically, as far as a box office goes, if you didn't already know about Leica, this was not going to be the film to find out about them, especially in a year full of films like Smallfoot and Abominable. All three of these films, Abominable, Smallfoot, and Missing Link, not in that order, but they were all released in an 18-month period. All about similar things with a Sasquatch, um, Abominable Snowman-type creature being befriended by a human. And they're animated and then they're tailored towards kids. That's, that's, those are three very specific films that all seem really similar being marketed at the same time. And there's just, <laughs> that's not a big market. Can Leica have the foresight for that? No, because their films take years to create. It's just poor marketing. And the marketing for this film was not good. I went back and looked at it and it just, it's not doing it any favors. So you look at the idea of Missing Link and I don't see why it was worth this cost. Okay, so... From just a logistics standpoint, we're going to, sp- Leica, I'm speaking Leica, this is what we're going to do. We're going to spend the most money on a film we ever had, even though our previous film didn't even make this money. We're going to step further away from the genre where we've made a bunch of money with Halloween, child voice actors, we're going to get more expensive cast, and it's a film and story that is a little bit forgettable. And the ways that, that Leica has really shined where they're memorable, incredibly unique stories, yes, this is an original story but it's so typical. I mean, I already mentioned, in an 18-month period, there were two other films that are almost exactly like this. Not great. There's something in it that Leica sees that I didn't. Now, let me say, I wrote all this after watching the film because I was really hopeful that I would be able to come on here and be like, this is another hidden gem. Everybody go watch it. It's awesome. It shouldn't have lost this much money. And I was just so let down because I, I want Leica to succeed so badly and to have them not, I'm like, what? why did you guys not think this through? Why, why are you making these business decisions? Because <laughs> I want them to stay. But all of this changed after I wrote all this and then didn't record it for weeks, obviously. I ended up buying the Blu-ray for the film because it was on like a super duper huge sale. I was like, you know what? I really like Leica. Uh, this is a film that I would watch with my kids. It's really clean. You know, I'll get it because I, I liked it. By no means did I dislike this film. Let me make that absolutely clear. This is a long two cents, but I did not dislike the film. It was just that I was so perplexed. I, I, was, I was harsh on Leica as a studio. Not that I'm harsh on the film. I'm harsh on Leica as a studio because I want them to be successful. And uh, this film is not helping them. But the film is good. 
so I bought the film anyway, and it was really interesting. It was a very interesting timing because there were some Blu-rays that I was buying, and they caused me to think about how silly the quotes are on the Blu-ray cases. Like, how much are these film critics paid to have their quote on a Blu-ray case? Like, two films that showed up for me that I got was First Man, at the bottom, a remarkable cinematic achievement from Entertainment Weekly, or Ford v. Ferrari on the back of the Ultimate Collector's Edition. What a stupid name for things, but on the back of that. One of the year's best films from Collider. Oh my gosh, so convincing. Good thing they put this quote on the Blu-ray or else I would have bought it. Like, I just was thinking about how dumb that is as far as marketing goes. Who wants those on there? I don't know, but they're there, and they're always there. So I was thinking about how silly that is. And then... Missing Link showed up, and it has quotes on it. Obviously, the Blu-ray, I'm just reading right off. It says, at the front, it says, a breathtaking adventure, another jewel in the Leica crown from IGN. I was like, you know what? They're actually kind of right about that. And then on the back, from Collider, actually, is it from the same person? Oh, no, that would have been funny if it was the same person from Ford v. Ferrari, but it's not. Anyway, on the back, it says, an instant rewatchable family favorite. And that was like the first time that I actually agreed with not that I disagree with the quotes, but where this quote actually meant something because I was like, you know what? This really is. And my wife and I, we were planning to have my nephew, who's three, come over and have a sleepover with us. And he likes watching movies. His, his like favorite movie of all time is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which is hilarious. But I was like, we should watch this movie with him. He has this, this funny obsession, obsession with monsters, cute monsters like in this movie, like Link and Missing Link or Susan. Uh, anyway, so I was like, let's watch it with him. And I was genuinely excited to watch the movie. So this two cents has been extremely long and kind of all over the place. And I was really harsh on Leica as far as the logistics business decision goes. But to the actual film, it's quite fun. It really is a breathtaking adventure with visual beauty and a good voice cast. They have nice voices. And the second time around, like I mentioned, they really did endear me. And it's totally rewatchable. Like I said, I was excited to watch it with my nephew. Of course, it was mainly because I knew how much he would like it, and he did. He thought it was hilarious. There was one scene that we probably watched like 20 times because he would just laugh his head off at it. Uh, even my wife, there was one point where like she knew it was coming because when I was watching it the first time for the podcast, she was in the other room just listening to it. She wasn't even watching it, but she recognized the voices and the sound and knew that scene was coming and started laughing before it even happened. And then it happened and she started laughing. So it, it really is funny and it's enjoyable. It's a very, very simple story that works. The story is simple and it's told well. If you've listened to the podcast, I don't have a problem with that. I think that I just was really harsh because of the financial aspect of that. So to take myself away from that and just, this is a movie and I'm not thinking about these outside world things. Does it, stand up to the bar that like has said themselves no but i don't think that they were trying to do that i think that they were trying to make a simple family film that's for kids and kids are going to be touched by it and kids are going to have the time of their life and it's really funny and it's beautiful to watch and even as an adult it's a very very simple story that's enjoyable and actually fun that was a long two cents to say i'm harsh on like as a business decision the movie is just okay with lots of fun and beautiful animation. If you're into Laika, I totally recommend it. If you're into animated movies and also a little bit of comedies and you want to watch something that's genuinely funny and has beautiful animation, I also highly recommend Missing Link. That was the long rant over. So end of the two cents, onto a quick announcement here. Please continue to leave reviews on Podchaser uh, for the monthly update coming out soon. 
Max is the winner of the monthly uh, update screen pass giveaway. Thank you a ton, Max, for leaving reviews on Podchaser. Everyone else, you guys can leave reviews on Podchaser. You can be eligible to stream one of my 38 eligible screen pass films completely free. Of course, in the next few months, I want to be able to do a little bit more, but that's just what I can do at this time. So please, podchaser.com slash binge helps out way more than you think. On to the next segment. Again, this is all spoiler-free. I'll let you know when spoilers are coming if you want to click away, but for now, spoiler-free. Next segment, pick your poison. So this is the ranking scale. Never watch it again. Stream it, rent it, or buy it. Obviously, I bought it on a sale. Before this time, I thought that it would be a rent that it, because it was like a, because of the beautiful animation and the simple fun of it, that it would be a rent that I would watch in a situation like with my nephew or a specific family members. And it totally fits that category. The animation does not disappoint. And from some reviews I've read, some people really enjoy the adventure aspect of it. It didn't land for me, maybe because I was like hoping for it to really blow me away so that I could get on the podcast and just really have a strong recommendation for it. The second time around, I was less like all of that was out of the way and I was just enjoying it. And the adventure and the humor and the heart, uh, the lightheartedness was a lot easier to enjoy. As far as ranking goes, I would consider it a rent. As far as reality goes, it's a buy, but that's because I was able to buy it for cheaper than renting it. Why not? I love Leica films. And I know that I'm going to watch this again with my kids because watching it with my nephew was genuinely tons of fun. He, there was one scene that he just, like I'm sure if I showed it for, to him tomorrow, he'd still laugh his head off at it so moving right along to the very next segment again still spoiler free live up this is simply my expectations and if they lived up to them <laughs> you can probably kind of guess from the two cents i did not expect it to be great i had hopes that it would surprise me and that i would find ways to love it and be able to get on the podcast and say it's so undeserving of its financial flop and have it be the second hidden gem episode but now I just understand why it flopped, but also a little bit why it's enjoyable. And I'm really glad that it had the time, that I had the time to view it a second time, to think about it much longer. Because even without the second viewing with my nephew, clearly I had come around enough to be willing to buy it. Again, it was on an amazing sale. But still, you don't do that without the film coming around. And so really the time between writing and viewing, you know how things stew in your mind. It really changed. I've come back around and really appreciate it for what it is. Again, I apologize for kind of being a limp noodle and not picking a side. It's just the changing in my opinion with the time. And I want to be able to present both sides of it. Because uh, I think it's also just interesting to talk about how films and our thoughts about them change over time. Now, as part of Live Up, I want to talk about Rotten Tomatoes, actually, which not a huge fan of, but they actually, I agree with them for once on this film. It's at 88% with critic reviews with the perfect consensus. Another, this is a critic consensus, another beautifully animated triumph for Laika. Missing Link is a visual treat with lots of humor, plenty of heart, and even a little food for thought. Completely lives up to that. Beautifully animated. It's funny, and it's got a lot of heart and a lot of fun in an adventure type film. An, an adventure-type film and a story structure that works. Is it a little lackluster and without significance? Yeah. Does it, every story, every film need to have significance? No. I think I was a little too harsh on Laika with this film because it is so great at what it is. And I know that, again, I'm going to enjoy it again. On to the very next segment, which is, again, the 
binge points, and this is where the spoilers are going to be coming for the rest of the episode. So if that's something you don't want, feel free to click away. If you want to hear a little bit more about the production without too much being spoiled about the film, you can continue into the binge points. I'll kind of give you a warning before we get into further things. If you do click away, please go to podchaser.com slash the basement binge. That's P-O-D-C-H-A-S-E-R dot com slash the basement binge and leave a review on this episode. You'll be entered to win a chance. Entered to, how do you say that? Entered to win a screen pass on me. That's how you say that. Okay. On to binge points. Here we go. Behind the scenes things. Wow. That's weird to say. Anyway, so there's a section in this film that is shot in a bar. It's a bar fight. That is the stop motion sequence with the most shots of all time. More than any other stop motion sequence, that bar fight has the most shots. There was a lot of work that went into it. There was a lot of CGI composition and filling in. Not that they weren't animating things, but that they animated things in layers um, and then filled them in over top of one another. And I had no idea. Other things, this is the fourth stop motion movie to use dust. Dust! That's the amount of work that went into the animation of this film, and it's just incredible. It's the first all-adult cast from Laika, which is weird. I feel like this is the most child-focused film or child-targeted film, and yet there's not a single child in the cast. I just think it's interesting. I mean, the cast is great, but interesting. I mean, Zach Galifianakis, maybe we can count him, but it's an all-adult cast either way, Okay. There's other things. There's an intense combination of traditional stop motion and visual effects. You can look up on YouTube some of the behind-the-scenes things. And the way they combine things is... Uh, like is really pushing the boundaries with stop motion. It's not like Wes Anderson-type stop motion where everything is literally physically manipulated in camera. Here at Leica, they're doing a lot with CGI and VFX and combining it with stop motion and staying true to what stop motion is while also totally pushing the boundaries, which I think is cool. Something I really want to point out is the amount of work that just went into creating beautiful images for this film. There are shots of characters just sitting there breathing. They made faces very differently than they do in traditional stop motion. Normally, it's like a combination, you know, like combine eyelids one with mouth two and you get expression three, for example. And you, you know, combine eyelids one with mouth three and you get expression one or, or whatever those sequences are. With this one, each face is individually printed so that it's not a repeat of expressions. Everything is completely unique, which of course increased the animation costs, but also made a lot of faces. There's, a, in fact, 106,000 faces and uh, makes for very unique moments. On top of that, other production things, there's 110 sets with 65 locations and over 1,400 VFX shots, all done entirely in-house. So a like is putting in work. Specifically, there's a sequence on an ice bridge towards the end of the film. That took an entire year to complete that sequence. There's another sequence at the end, or not at the end, with a walking elephant that you get to see the behinds of the thing, behind the scenes time lapse that Laika has at the end of every one of their films of the walking elephant. This elephant was 36 pounds and the background was so long that it had to be built and then taken down and rebuilt multiple times to have enough coverage as the camera tracked. It took that one like... 15-second sequence, which is literally just an elephant walking, took about three months to complete. Uh, other behind-the-scenes things, the, the puppet for Susan, the missing link, the Sasquatch, is big. Traditionally, a, a stop-motion animation puppet is about 12 to 14 inches. That's like the perfect size for an animator to manipulate to both 
have it be accurate and to get specific enough with the animation, you know, be able to have small enough movement, but it's not too big or they're having to like wrestle it. So Sir Lionel Frost, Hugh Jackman's character, for example, is 13 inches, right? In that range. Well, Susan is 16 inches. So very, very big puppet. He was one of the hardest puppets they've ever made. He's made completely out of fur, which just is not great for stop motion. So they have these shots of his fur blowing in the wind. Like he's standing there on a boat, just facing his back. There's no dialogue. Just his fur moving. Like the amount of work that would go into making that is incredible. Just the puppet is made of this typical medical armature, like a normal stop motion puppet. But on top of that, it had inhaling and exhaling motion. So instead of just like the arms and legs being able to articulate, they had an ability to make his belly inhale and exhale, to move his belly, to be able to squash and stretch him, make his fur and and shape adjust. It adds a lot of nuance to the performance of the puppet and also makes for a lot of great physical comedy. Susan is the shape of an avocado, to quote the director. He's the shape of an avocado. And to put in a lot of work to have an avocado-shaped creature perform is really amazing, especially when it's all hand-done. If Kubo was tough to do, I can't imagine the amount of work that went into this. It's even more so an adventure film than Kubo was, with more locations, larger locations, open water, tight corridor hallways, quick camera movements, giant monsters and characters, expansive scope. I mean, it's just... It's a ton of work to animate this, which is amazing. So there's your behind-the-scenes things about Missing Link. Some other bench points here. This is a little bit to do with the box office. Again, it's sad. Based off the $100 million budget, they only gross about $25 million worldwide. And this is known as one of the most expensive box office bombs for an animated film. Considering that they have to share the box office with the theaters, that's over $80 million that the studio lost, most likely. So, for example, another film that I find kind of similar to this, Treasure Planet, with the same budget, of course, it was years earlier, only lost $8.2 million, making over $90 million. Cats, for example, recently, only lost $24 million. Home on the Range made more money than this. It made $76.5 million. Mars Needs Moms, which is a bigger flop because it had a bigger budget, so to speak, still made $14 million more than Missing Link, okay? I was harsh on Leica for their business decision to put their largest budget with this film. But I'm going to be harsh on everyone who didn't go see this film, including myself, because Leica as a studio, for that reason alone, for the work that they're doing that nobody else is, the way that they're doing it that nobody else is, they deserve the financial support because who's going to do this when they're gone? Again, I'm going to put in a shameless plug. Leica is making a stop-motion Batman film. If we want to see that, we got to step it up. So we can't fix a box office, but what we can do is we can rent the film, we can buy it. So I highly recommend getting on those Leica films. I highly recommend starting with Kubo and the Two Strings because that hooked me. Um, if you want and you're in the U.S., Missing Link is on Hulu. Check it out. It's Again, I was harsh on it, but kind of unnecessary. It's simple fun. Just have a good time with it and laugh. Uh, so why does any of this matter? I just think it's interesting to talk about. That's why it matters. So moving on. Uh, I do find it interesting that this film did win a Golden Globe. Uh, it was nominated for an Oscar as well. I mean, like, it's a good film, but I mean, maybe just from animation standpoints alone. I don't know. So, yeah. And, and, enough of that. 
On to actual more traditional binge points. I don't have a lot for this film because it's an original story. Uh, but there is one thing. There's a monkey. The, the same monkey from Kubo is in one of Sir Lionel Frost's drawers when he's trying to find the, the foot casting or mold to go to the Adventures Club. He's pulling out all his drawers and there's a little Kubo monkey in there, which was a fun binge point. So that's the end of the binge points. Moving on to the next segment, Lease and Likes. Least favorite scene, favorite scene. And again, my two cents, I think, really was too harsh because there wasn't a moment that I didn't like. Like, there was never a moment where I was like, oh, this is horrible. This is so badly done. This is annoying. I don't like this. Nothing felt unnecessary. The first time through, it just felt disappointing because I, I wanted so badly for it to do really well. The second time around, it was just lots of fun. So I'm sorry, cop out here. I don't have a least because I just kind of like the whole thing. It was just fun. For what it is, it's, it's just simple, enjoyable. The, the least would be the financial part of it. But we've talked about that enough, so let's move on to the like, the favorite scene. And this is going to sound like a, a, a mean comment, but it's a compliment. The credits, the stylized credits when the film ends, is my favorite part. The animation was great, and the music was fun. It, I was so happy. Not, not like, oh, I was so happy because it was over and we were in the credits type of comment. Of all things that I want from a Leica stop-motion film, and as I acclimated to Missing Link, the credits were the best part because it had a song that was awesome, and you just get to enjoy the simple kind of characterizations through the stylized credit that the characters display while also just viewing incredible animation, and it was just, it was just fun. The music was really upbeat, and I think it's a perfect wrap-up to the film, and if I could have had that set my expectations for the film before and I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more the first time because again the second time around liked it so much more moving on to the very last segment fall in and this is a typical adventure type story of a selfish adventurer not caring for those who deserve it and learning to appreciate and accept something different than himself the the native person or the missing link, the monster, so to speak, that he is adventuring after. So it, it's very simple in what it has to say about that. Like I mentioned in that Rotten Tomatoes critic consensus, there's a little bit of a food for thought about having compassion for people who are different than us and learning to accept things outside of our defined perceptions of things. But that's just mainly talking about the type of story it is than what's actually portrayed in the film. The strongest point was in the subtlety of civilization and civilized society about conquering and the destruction that comes with that. The, the main leader, I forget his name, in charge of the Adventurers Club is an antagonist and a foil to Sir Lionel Frost because he wants to uphold, quote, civilized society. To do that, he's willing to kill people. He literally flops on the ground and bangs his hands and feet like a baby and whines and has a tantrum and it's actually a hilarious moment in the film he even threatens his grandson and, and so to see that civilized society and what maybe that defined civilization is and the the weakness in that in contrast to the genuine goodness and kindness of someone like susan who is the sasquatch of course a refreshing reminder these weird ideas we're willing to uphold for what? You know, we should just uphold the ideas that people are people and they deserve our love. And that's a simple thing. So it's a very simple existing idea in the, in the ideas 
of an this type of adventure film that you can just enjoy if you want to. A little bit of food for thought. Plagiarize Rotten Tomatoes one last time if it's something you're into. It's mainly just a film to laugh at and to enjoy the beautiful animation. If you do want to know, I've been mentioning that one scene that had my nephew laughing like crazy. It's when Sir Lionel Frost goes to tell the Adventurer Club that he's looking for the missing link. And he rides up in a carriage and the mud splashes on all the people and then splashes on the sign. He loses it when the mud splashes on the sign. Like, I, I don't get it. It's kind of funny. And seeing him laugh to it is the best part, but he thinks it's so funny. And then when Sir Lionel Frost goes up and knocks on the door and he's knocking with his cane, and then the guy opens the door and he keeps knocking on his face like, He's, he's like, oh, he's been knocking on his head. And it, he just, he thinks it's the funniest thing. And then he walks in and throws his jacket on him. So if you want to know, that's the part that my nephew loves. The part that my wife always laughs about is when Sir Lionel Frost meets Susan for the first time and he catches a note and he like growls and then goes to cough and just keeps coughing. It's genuinely a funny scene. Uh, so that was, those are the two parts that we laugh at the most. And again, like I mentioned, if I showed my nephew that mud scene right now, he'd, he'd lose it and he'd laugh his head off the rest of the night. So he thinks it's hilarious. So thank you for listening to a very ranty episode of The Basement Binge. These, these episodes have kind of been all over the place, covering different ideas um, besides just the traditional, this is what I thought about the film. So I would love your feedback, and you can do that by leaving a review on podchaser.com slash The Basement Binge. I'm going to keep plugging this just because it really helps the show. Of course, I want to give back in a small way by offering my screen pass through Movies Anywhere. Of course, as I'm financially able to, I want to give back a lot more. Sadly, this is all I can do at this time. So mainly, it's just to help out the show. If you leave a review on Podchaser, it does two things. One, it helps me know what episodes y'all are enjoying. Like this, for example. This was kind of a breakaway from the typical things I talk about. And I want to know what you, got, what you think about it. So leave a review on Podchaser. It doesn't have to be a five-star review. Do you care about all this financial, logistical stuff that I was harsh on about Leica, or do you not? Let me know. And the other thing that it does is that it helps people know that the Basement Binge and the episodes that the Basement Binge has are worth their time and they're good episodes. So it helps out more than you can think. It takes like a minute to leave a review, create a free Podchaser account, sign in, follow the Basement Binge and leave a review. And of course, helps out the show and gives you a chance to receive a free screen pass from me every month. Again, Max, thank you for leaving a review and I hope you're enjoying whatever movie you picked. So, everyone else, thanks for listening to The Basin Binge. Thanks for leaving reviews on Podchaser. My name is Harrison. That's all for now. Ciao, ciao. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.